What a group of hungry friends form fantasy leagues. And then, a platform to talk sports and all their favorite blasts from the past. You get the Joe Random Sports Podcast. And now, your hosts, Stephen Fair and Matt Ramirez. All right, welcome everybody to the Joe Random Sports Podcast. Stephen Thayer, Matt Ramirez, divisional round preview. Here we go, Matt. It's good to see you. Yeah, good to see you too, Stephen. We're uh, we're onto the the home stretch here, right? We're in the home stretch. It's crunch time. Unfortunately, before we get to our episode, I think it's very important that we. Just briefly touch on the really sad news out of Golden State. We lost our assistant coach, Dehan Milojevic, and uh, it's uh, a very, very sad moment. A assistant coach with the Warriors from 2021. He was 46 years old. He was Serbian and apparently just really beloved by the entire team, entire basketball community, the Serbian community, European basketball uh, Warriors, as a result, they postponed their game against the Jazz on Wednesday, and they're also postponing their game against the Mavericks on Friday. I just can't even imagine. Apparently, this happened at a team dinner, and you're seeing him go down. Uh, if you're a coach or you're a player and uh, everybody, I can't just imagine the panic in the room. Uh, so just a really sad moment for Warriors fans and for basketball community. Yeah, just a horrible event overall. It's so tough to see stuff like that happen. Uh, yeah, I mean, thoughts and prayers out to him and his family and friends. And that's, uh, I'm, gl- I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah, you, you just, as a sports podcast, you, you have to talk about it. Um, you just never know. You never know. 46 years old. Yeah, we talk about it a lot, right? With kind of taking moments for granted and making the most of your current time here. That's That's all you can do. Yeah, and I try to do a little bit of research. He played 15 years in Europe and won championships. I think he was a three-time MVP too, kind of like an undersized big man, just kind of a crazy baller out there. And it's yeah, it's just such a shame. Horrible, horrible. So not not intentionally wanting to start off on a on a sad note with the episode. Uh, obviously, we we have some good news and good football to talk about but just needed to be said so our thoughts and prayers with uh, Dehan and his family okay uh football so lots to talk about Niners Packers we're we're, we're getting ready for that this Saturday night 5:15 and we got to break down a little bit of how we got here of, of what unfolded last week so Give me your thoughts on how the Packers looked against the Cowboys this last weekend. Yeah, I, I'm glad you started with this one. The Packers looked about as good as you can, right? Going into Jerry World, uh, Cowboys were, I think, 8-0 going into that this year at Jerry World. Jordan Love, thats it's quite the coming out party he's had the second half of this year. He really makes me nervous where before, you know, he was kind of in that learning stage where he's learning, developing within the offense, first half of the year, making plenty of mistakes, not completing a high percentage of passes. And now, now he's, he's in like that next wave of quarterbacks who could kind of carry the league. So he seems like a, 
a legit superstar budding before our eyes. So uh, pair that with, you know, Aaron Jones and Matt LaFleur's offense and uh, whatever happens to Dallas in the play- playoffs, then you, you kind of get the, uh, the tidal wave of, of various things coming together there. The Cowboys just retained Mike McCarthy today. And obviously I want to talk Packers Niners, but we can't not talk about how much of a debacle the Cowboys put up there on and just the, the season in general. So I guess first your thoughts on Mike McCarthy, should they have brought him back? See, this is a tough one. I think this, this really starts with ownership where, you know, the pressure of Jerry Jones really adds on a big burden onto the whole franchise. I mean, he's doing radio hits uh, every single week. He's putting all these expectations out there. Um, There's just a lot of different factors that Jerry contributes to the organization, good and bad. Obviously they've had a ton of regular season success. um, And there's various factors that go into it. I'm trying to pull it up here because I saw it earlier, but here's the resumes for John Harbaugh, Mike Tomlin, Mike McCarthy, and Sean Payton. Mm. Uh, Harbaugh won 60 and 99, 11 and nine in the playoffs with one Super Bowl. Tomlin won 73 and 100, uh, eight and 10 in the playoffs, one Super Bowl. Mike McCarthy won 67 and 102, almost exactly in line with John Harbaugh. Uh, 11 11 in the playoffs, one Super Bowl. And then uh, Sean Payton won 60 and 98, 9 and 8 in the playoffs, one Super Bowl. So, I mean, in terms of resume, I mean, Mike McCarthy's got it all. It's just unfortunate that it was a debacle like this. So, if it was, if it was me as Jerry Jones, I probably would have moved on. Um, that being said, though, I think Jerry is the problem in Dallas. Oh, I 100% agree. It starts with Jerry and, and the culture that, that he sets really it it starts from there like you said on the flip side you're 12 and 5 in the last three years and you have one playoff win to show for it at some point where where where's the problem with the like the just division this division of mccarthy i mean he comes he's a nice guy like i have no problem with him as a guy um, like Sean Payton, right? That's rare for you. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, yeah. Big, that's big words for me. It, it, but you preach culture, you preach accountability and you don't see it. You see all, you see all the flash, you see all the hype, the typical Dallas Cowboys stuff. And oh, we're going to play smash mouth football. And, you know, we just didn't get it done today. And, and, you know, we got to be better next week. There's no accountability. It's just, they're just undisciplined. You see guys jumping routes, you see careless penalties, and you saw it after the Packers scored the first touchdown of that game. You're looking at the sideline and McCarthy's just like shaking his head in disappointment. To me, you can look at his resume and you could say, well, you know, he wins a lot of games, pretty good regular season. Is it really grounds for firing? But I think he should be fired just based off of how ill-prepared they were for that game. You had no excuse, no excuse with that offensive line, with all the talent that you supposedly have on both sides of the football to completely lay an egg like that. From the get-go, the Packers took a hold of them and that was it. And and that's where I think you you got to look at where's the vision here? What, what, what are we doing? 
yeah, you got to look at the guys that are available out there as well. I mean, Belichick, Vrabel, Harbaugh, uh, Pete Carroll, maybe. Who knows what's going on up there in Seattle? Um, so weird coaching offseason coming on. Yeah. The craziest one I've seen. So there's a lot of good candidates. It's it's a really sticky situation in Dallas. Yeah. Well, for, and again, obviously Tomlin and Harbaugh have had really good careers and they've had good teams. McCarthy's always had a good roster and it just seems like he doesn't really do anything with it. <laughs> I mean, that's. Yeah, in the playoffs. Yeah. You know, but okay. Uh, we're always happy when the Cowboys lose. That is one of our joys on the Joe Random Sports Podcast. It was lovely to see. You talked a little bit about Jordan Love coming into the Niners game. What's going to be the biggest problem for us defensively against him? Yeah, I think the Niners defense, it's, I don't want to say it's worse because statistically it's almost in line with the rest of their their recent years, um, defensively speaking. The problem with Jordan Love for the Niners defense is the w- ability to extend plays and throw off platform into really tight windows. So it's not like he's he's hitting these guys that are wide open on the layup plays where it's a blown coverage or whatever, but he's also slinging balls into really tight areas all across the field at every level, short, medium, deep. Um, they have quick route runners. They have vertical high point receivers. Their offense is going to be a big, uh, big problem to handle, especially if they get the running game going. I think if Aaron Jones has another good game, that's it's going to be an, an actual problem. So stopping the run first and foremost, and then um, force Jordan Love to beat them when you know he's going to be throwing it. Let the pass rushers pin their ears back, get after the quarterback. And uh, I think that's kind of the the game plan for beating Jordan Love. But I really I really do think he's on the elite QB trajectory right now. Mm. What do you yeah. think? Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of different angles to take on this one. <laughs> I think the Packers in general looked like the Niners against the Cowboys. They didn't make any mistakes. They played smash mouth football. They got guys so open. I mean, the, the was it the Tucker craft or the Luke, the Luke Musgrave was yeah. so wide open. Uh, it looked like Lafleur was Shanahan. It looked like Jordan love was Brock Purdy, just the way that they played. And it started with the running game. And that's what the Niners want to do. You want to get Christian McCaffrey going. That's what they did with Aaron Jones. And they, they, just kind of played smash mouth football opens up the game for the pass. And Lafleur becomes an elite offensive coordinator at that point, basically um, when you have all of that at your disposal. And of course, if Jordan love is hitting, I mean, th- you can't do anything wrong. So that's, that's what, when I was watching that Packers game, I'm like, Oh shoot, this, the Niners could be peak or the Packers could be peak Niners. If, if they're clicking like this and that's what scared me about the Packers. That's what scared me about Jordan love. Not to mention he's been playing at an MVP level since week 11. You see all of those stats. Now, one thing to keep in mind, I think the Cowboys all year have been an extremely overrated defense and you can sit here and say, well, that's a, that's a lazy take. I mean, they just got smashed, you know, that's not, they were really good. And, and my, my defense is you can only rely on Duran Bland to pick off so many passes all year. You can only rely on so many pick sixes and scoop and scores and things to help your offense out all year. The Cowboys defense did not show up against good offenses. So to me, they were disguised all year 
disguised. They weren't actually a good defense. So I temper what Jordan Love. Obviously, they were okay, but you look at Micah Parsons. He did absolutely nothing against Jordan Love. I mean, they completely neutralized him. And so when the Cowboys have no pass rush, they're in trouble. And that, that's so I, I didn't think that the, the Cowboys defense really put a lot of pressure on Jordan Love. Now, with the Packers defense, they obviously played OK against the Cowboys. Um, you know, you can argue that the second half of the game was all garbage time. However, you have to be you have to look at the context. OK, they sacked Dak Prescott four times. They got nine hits on Dak Prescott in a regular game. That looks really good. But they also threw it 60 times. And they also gave up 400 yards of passing. Uh, so the Packers defense is porous. They are a young group. That doesn't mean they're bad, but they're young. They have a couple good pass rushers. You know, Rashawn Gary's a problem in there. Kenny Clark's a problem in there. Jair Alexander's a problem. I don't know if he's going to play. He's very questionable at this point. He didn't practice on Wednesday. So who knows what's going on? He's got shoulder. He's got something else going on with him. So I'm not scared of the Packers defense like I would be, let's say, of the Ravens defense. Okay. So to me, if you're the Niners, what you do is you you take advantage of some of their holes. They've, I want to say they're 23rd against tight ends. So I think George Kittle is poised for a field day. I mean, I think the thing that makes me nervous as well um, is just the fact that the Cowboys and the Niners formula to success is pretty similar, right? You get up early in the game, you let the defense and pass rushers pin their ears back because you know teams are playing catch up against you and you just run away from the other team. That's exactly the opposite of what happened in Dallas. Um, so if, I mean, I, I almost guarantee you LaFleur will choose to receive unless Jair Alexander goes out for the coin toss, then who knows what the heck's going to happen. But um, I think the Packers are going to try to get the ball, come down and score and make the Niners play a little bit of catch up. So that's what makes me nervous. It's the exact same for formula against as they were going for against Dallas. Um, they're going to come in guns blazing, nothing to lose. They're a young team. Weren't really expected to even be in the playoffs um, and just play with uh, play with their hair on fire. So, that's yeah. the formula for the Packers. That, that's what I was going to say. It is dangerous playing against a team that doesn't have control over their gun, so to speak. I mean, like, they Spray are going <laughs> to come out firing. They have nothing to lose, like you said. They're going to chuck it deep. They're going to try to take advantage. As, as JT said when we were watching the Packers game on Sunday, he said, we're just playing with house money now. It's yep. true. That's the that's the they're they're having fun now. They're gonna go out there and they're just gonna do their best. My message to Shanahan is do not overthink this. Do not overthink it. We have all of the ingredients to succeed. We have an elite middle linebacker, we have an elite left tackle, we have four or five all pros on offense. <laughs> I mean, our defensive line is elite. We we are elite at almost every position compared to the Packers. Do not overthink this. There's no reason we should lose this game. It's just like it's very dangerous when you have a team that doesn't doesn't really there's no pressure on them. Absolutely.
Yeah, I mean, the good thing about it is that the Niners have a ton to prove. They're pissed off from last year still. They feel like they're, you know, they deserved a better way to go out last year. So there's a lot to prove there. That's the exciting part. Can I go on a little uh, tangent about the quarterbacks and different narratives around the league? Or you oh, on that? I, I think this is great. Um, so please tell me about Jordan Love and Brock Purdy. Yes, I mean, we've been hearing a lot about Jordan Love this week, how he's taking the next steps. Just like I said right there, um, there's been talk shows around the country talking about how Jordan Love is the better quarterback in this matchup. And based off his performance last week, some of it is justified. He's obviously an up-and-coming star, and uh, I'm not taking anything away from Jordan Love in this sentiment. But I would like to note that I think Brock Purdy needs to get some respect put on his name. The amount of disrespect this guy has to deal with. I'm going to go back all the way to high school for this, for this young man. High school player of the year in Arizona, only to be recruited by Iowa State, Boise State, Illinois, UCF, UC Davis, UNLV, Montana State, KU, and South, Southern Utah. That's the offers he got. Goes to a small school, four-year starter, Really good numbers at the draft, too small, not athletic enough, not enough arm strength, not durable enough, whatever these different question marks are. Goes into the sixth round, Mr. Irrelevant, last pick in the draft, probably could have been an undrafted free agent. Comes in, gets his opportunity after a couple injuries, leads the Niners to the NFC Championship game in his first year as a starter, not even having training camp with the ones or any reps within the season with the number one uh, offense. So you get through that, he gets injured in the NFC Championship game. Then the narrative becomes, how will he come back? Should Trey Lance start? Is he going to be losing more arm strength? All these questions arise from his injury. Some of those on this podcast, I should say. Um, and then he comes out, in 2023-2024 with an MVP caliber season. And here we are in the playoffs, leading his team to the number one seed. And he's still a system quarterback. He's not talented as Jordan Love. Jordan Love is better. I'd rather have other quarterbacks. The NFC quarterbacks are weak. All these different things about this guy. All I have to say about it is just put some damn respect on this guy's name. He's deserved it. He's earned it. And I I love it because everyone keeps knocking this guy and he's just going to keep proving them wrong. So uh, I'm pretty fired up for this weekend. Let's freaking go. Yes. Thank you. You have one bad game. One bad game. And I know it was atrocious, but you have one bad game against the Ravens. And all of a sudden, you're no longer an MVP candidate, which is horse crap. You lead the league in QBR. You lead the league in quarterback rating. You're fifth in passing. You're highest and historically high in average yards per attempt at 9.6. You're 31 and 11. Touchdown to pick ratio. And Dak Prescott is getting all pro honors over him? Are you kidding me? It's a complete joke. Colin Coward said it the other day. Jordan Love is far more talented than Brock Purdy. Are you kidding me? This is this is such a joke. When Brock Purdy came in last year, week it was around that week 11, right? When Jordan Love started to take off. Brock Purdy was playing at 
elite level MVP level numbers when he came in last year around that same time. Everyone thought the same thing. Oh, well, we're just waiting for the the the, the other ball to drop. We're just waiting for system quarterback. This, yep, yep. It's, where where's the fluke? Oh, yep. Of course, with Jordan Love, with C.J. Stroud, it's oh yeah, this is what they're supposed to be. They're really good. We're really excited. Brock Purdy, it's still the same thing. And that game against the Ravens was a reminder to everybody. Oh yeah, that's well, that's what you would expect from a seventh round quarterback. And it, it confirmation is, bias. It exactly. And it's it sucks. I'm I'm just as mad as you are about it. And you see how poised he is. You see how confident he is. I am I have full faith in Brock Purdy that he gets the job done this weekend and the weeks to come. He's going to put all of those doubts all of those doubters to shame he gets zero respect yeah well said that's that's all i have to say on it i really do think this is going to be a shootout and i i hope it comes down to the wire and uh something good happens at the end for the niners and we don't need to get into it but lamar jackson as an mvp is just so ugly this year he's good but he's not mvp quarterback numbers Give it to Christian McCaffrey, please. Please give it to Christian McCaffrey. He deserves it. It's it's gonna be Lamar. I don't know. I I, I see uh, I see both sides of the argument, but I really think the Ravens missing Lamar is a lot more damaging to their team than McCaffrey missing a missing a game for the Niners. But one thing the Niners the, the Niners have to run the ball effectively. When Christian McCaffrey rushes for 75 yards, they are 10 and 1 this season. So we need, we need Christian McCaffrey to get going this the early and often. And you know that's what they're going to do. He should be fully recovered from the calf injury. In terms of injuries, the Niners, I can't believe this, but George Odom might actually play after that torn bicep injury, which is nuts. Whoa. So thank thankful he's a full practice. Dre Greenlaw is finally coming back to practice. That's a big one. We need him. Uh, hopefully he keeps us cool. But uh, the the only guy that we're really in danger of missing is Cleland Farrell. Uh, and and for the Packers side, like talked about, about Jair Alexander, he's questionable at this point. A.J. Dillon might not play. And then uh, Kingsley and Egbare, the linebacker, might not play. Everyone else, I think, is going to go. So, Mostly healthy on both sides, which is what you want to see. Last thing I want to say on it, Stephen, is the difference in their last matchup in 21, obviously a lot different environment going into Lambeau and freezing temperatures. But what was the difference in that game? Special teams, right? Mm. You know the Niners' weak point this year? Mm. Special teams. They, they don't trust the kicker. The kicker doesn't trust the kicker. Moody is a serious problem, and I, I'm so nervous that it's going to come back to haunt, haunt them. Going into you know the bye week, so you pretty much get like whatever nine nine days off, maybe in between games for Moody, eight days off. It reminded me of when like you're either shooting hoops as a kid or going to the driving range or in the batting cage, and what do you want to do at the end of your session? You always want to end on a good one. <laughs> Moody didn't end on a good one. In fact, there was two bad ones. And when you have eight or seven or eight days to think about it, um, it, it's a problem. It's a serious problem. And I'm extremely worried and I want to get out ahead of it in case 
in case something uh, atomic happens this weekend. It's really relevant. You know, Jake Booty, 21 out of 25 this year on field goals, but all four of those kicks arguably cost us those games, all four of those misses. He never won us a game, and all four of those misses probably lost us each game. Only missed the one extra point, but again, cost us the game. Boom. Anders Carlson, 27 of 33, so middle of the pack in terms of field goal percentage. 34 to 39 extra points. That is the lowest in the league. Or sorry, second lowest behind uh, Eddie Pinheiro. Um, That's good. uh, Well, I guess, yeah, with with a certain amount of attempts, right? Yeah, Um, qualified. So Anders Carlson hasn't really been perfect on that side. Uh, Wisnowski, elite punter. I think he's just been so underrated this year and pinning guys deep. And we haven't had to punt that much, so he doesn't get the notoriety. But he has been effective uh, pinning guys deep. So, But you're right. Jake Moody, we, we, we need him to step up big time. It's going to come back to bite us. I'm, yeah. I'm gonna I mean, I'm gonna miss Phil Dawson at the end, or you know, winning us the Packers because he, he. I mean, how many of these Robbie Gold, Phil Dawson, David Akers, all these guys have won us games against the Packers? It's <laughs> yeah, a good point. Yeah, there's the kicking game is so important in the playoffs. Um, and if you think about going into a drive where you got you know 48 yarder on fourth and three, like, do you want to take the points? Do you want to? Go for it. The analytics say maybe go for it by a margin, especially if your kicker isn't great. It just adds so much more unknown to these to these decisions. So big so, factor for me. Yeah, yeah. I want one more point on our defense. The reason our defense has been so effective this year is because we don't have to rush many guys to get the job done. When Javon Hargrave is going in there, seven and a half sacks from the inside, you've got Nick Bosa, you got Chase Young on the outside, you've got a rotating wall of defenders that come in. Of course, Eric Armstead coming back is going to be huge. We haven't had to rush many guys to actually cause pressure. Blitzing, we're one of the lowest in the league in blitzing. So that puts more pressure on Jordan Love to, okay, crap, there's more guys in the secondary. There's more guys that are in coverage. I think that's going to be an issue, um, number one, with uh, our defense. Now, you can look at the numbers, and defensively, we have let a lot of yards in recent games. We're, I mean, the Ravens torched us. The Cardinals torched us on the ground. We've been fallible on the defense, Um I do like the matchup of Charvarius Ward on Romeo Dobbs. Romeo Dobbs kind of got hot lately, 146 yards last week. He's becoming a go-to for Jordan Love. I think Charvarius locks that down, and the other receivers don't worry me that much. So there, there is some something to look forward to on that side of the football. I, the thing that makes me nervous about it is that the Cowboys run a very similar scheme where they don't bring a whole lot of pressure and kind of let their guys go after quarterback with four or five pass rushers. So extremely nervous to uh, to frightful about the, about this game. <laughs> so let's talk about the history of the Packers and Niners. Most in history that two teams have met in the playoffs in the NFL, uh, followed by the Niners and Cowboys. So this is 
fun to me. This is classic football right here. You've got the Niners and Packers, two historic franchises in the league. And again, the Niners Cowboys, two historic franchise in the league. Just always seems but we're going to see one of them, if not both of them in the playoffs every year. Um, last year, we saw the Cowboys. The year before, we saw the Cowboys and the Packers. And you look at the, you know, the year before, it's just like it's always going to be the Packers or Cowboys that you see in the playoffs, at least going back to 2019 uh, since our most recent run at this. So the Niners are five and four against the Packers in the playoffs. We are on a four game win streak. Aaron Rodgers was winless against us in the playoffs. And I'm just hoping that we can continue that trend against Jordan Love. Brett Favre had a lot more success in his early days. Um, so that's where we're at. I, I think Shanahan has LaFleur's number, but yeah, anything can happen. It's like what we saw with McVay against Shanahan in the NFC Championship. You just never know. We shall see. We shall see. <laughs> yeah, just got to take care of business. The other games this last weekend, we saw a nail biter with the Lions over the Rams 24 to 23. That's going to be an interesting result to talk about coming into this weekend against, uh, well, Tampa Bay completely blowing up the Eagles. And I want to get your thoughts on Sirianni here, uh, talking about coaches. So we got the Lions and the Bucks, and then on the AFC side of things, you had the Texans make a huge statement against the Browns. I'll get my flowers for that. By the way, do you still want to give Dak his flowers? Because you really wanted to give Dak his flowers a few weeks ago about how great he's been. Yeah, I do. I do. I don't, I'm not going to rescind flower giving, Stephen. You uh, don't want to revert back to B-plus quarterback? I think he had an unbelievable year when you look at it in its entirety. And he clearly took a step up in terms of regular season production, carrying the load of the offense. It went from Zeke's team to, to Dak's team. Yeah. Couldn't run the ball. Really only one elite receiver. I think he had a great year. Yeah, and I'm good not gonna, year. I'm not going to take it away from for, for what right. happens in the playoffs to him. I'll, I'll take credit for it, though, because I was right about him all year, I feel like. Um yeah, I mean he's he's thirty years old or whatever. Like he's there's yeah, plenty he's, of time left he's for dad. He's just not great. Okay. How many uh, great quarterbacks are there though? Like you're not gonna find anyone better than him. Well, when you have a forty million dollar quarterback, this is the problem. That's my biggest issue. When you're getting paid forty million dollars, you need to be a top three quarterback, and he's not. That's well, my Daniel opinion. Jones makes forty five million. Like there's like twelve yeah, complete guys joke. making forty million now. So complete like that's, joke of a mistake. I think that's out. I think it's gotta be, you know, a fifty, fifty five million dollar guy like Mahomes and Allen. Or Deshaun Watson. Yeah, <laughs> oh. don't, yeah, that sucks. But oh man. Okay. Well, um all right. AFC Texans making a statement. I'll I'll take credit for that because I was what I a was call. You might have been the only guy in the nation calling that game. Yeah. I, I've got them beating the Ravens too. We'll get into that in a second. And then we had a, an interesting game with the Chiefs and Dolphins. Actually, it really wasn't interesting, but it was the the weather that that created that for them. Um, so, yeah, we were all over that too. Yeah, well, you and I, you know, I've been down on the Dolphins all year, and mm -hmm. it just showed right there. And granted, they were missing two of their prominent defensive players, but we all knew that. Like I said about Mike McDaniel, he's nice offensive coordinator, but 
they're just not good enough. And I, I think that showed uh, in, in extreme fashion, extreme conditions in Kansas City. And then you had the Bills, Steelers, which really wasn't a surprise to anybody. Crazy that game got postponed and the weather sort of cleared up a little bit. Josh Allen, the tackling was so poor on the Steelers side. It's sad that they didn't have TJ Watt, but yeah, the I'm just happy Mike Tomlin came back because they they had a unbelievable season to win 10 games with no quarterback all year is kind of crazy. So uh Bills and Chiefs in Buffalo. Bills are favored by three. I think this is a toss-up. This is going to be an interesting one. Uh, so this is where we're at. Buffalo, Kansas City, Texans, Ravens, Bucks, Lions, and Niners, Packers, your final eight teams. Okay, so I hinted at it. I want to get your thoughts on the Eagles collapse and Nick Sirianni and what this means for the Bucks against the Lions. How did they play against Philly? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, Nick Sirianni is either a dead man this year or a dead man next year. That's It's a tough city to lose your locker room in and clearly has lo lost the locker room. At the end of the day, like the intro press conference says a lot. It tells me a lot when a guy really can't form full, concise, complete sentences at his initial press conference and in the Super Bowl, you're waving goodbye to people and Jalen Hurts has to embarrassedly put your hand down like you're one of his drunk buddies at a bar. Like, it's just embarrassing. It, it really is. Um, for Kelsey to go out that way, they got a group of veteran, like prominent guys, Lane Johnson, Fletcher Cox. Um, Brandon Graham. Well, Brandon Graham, yeah. So there's guys that have been around a long time. They have a lot of young talent as well. And to finish the year on that sort of note is uh, it's really despicable. And and as as much as I kind of hate on the Eagles because they destroyed the Niners last year with all those different circumstances, it's it's just not not good for football when you got a team scuffling that badly going into the into the playoffs there. So I I can't believe he's still there. And I yeah. assume with all the great, I mean, if you're Belichick or Vrabel or any of the or Harbaugh, well, is there any better job than Philly? So I would move off of him quickly so you can start getting some interviews done. Well, we, we've been down on Sirianni for the last year and a half. I mean, really, I, I've had What's a bad, yeah, I've had a bad vibe about him over the last two years, and it finally blew up in his face. In fact, the Eagles are looking to get rid of him. Essentially, they're they're looking to find his replacement as we speak which is such a weird place to be in. It is clear that the locker room doesn't buy in to him. It is clear that Jason Kelsey had crazy problems, crazy problems with what transpired. When a team doesn't buy into to you as a head coach, which is why I'm shocked that Mike McCarthy is still there because I don't know how they can buy into him. But your message falls on deaf ears. People don't care what you have to say. Locker room gets divided. So I don't know how you can move on with Nick Sirianni. It's a, it's just a, he just blew it. He just really, really blew it. That has to fall on him and maybe big dumb for getting himself involved. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point too, but uh, it goes to show what happens when your head coach doesn't call your offense or defensive plays and he's it's just a, figurehead. It's so. a joke. And, and the, the Jason Kelsey news of 
not really officially announcing his retirement, but then somebody from inside texting that message. This just goes to show you how how freaking slimy the journalism is in, in sporting today. Like Adam Schefter having connections up the wazoo, have guys literally planted in every single team. I don't know what they're getting bribed or what they're getting paid, but they immediately go to Shefty. Hey, bro, Kelsey just retired. Boom, Shefty reporting. It's ugh, It just makes my skin crawl. Let the man have his retirement announcement. Come on. Yeah, it's the world of instant instant knowledge and gratification. Uh, you, you said it well. I don't have too many other thoughts. <laughs> now, flipping it on the Bucks, Tampa Bay completely destroyed the Philly on, on every in every facet of the game. You know, we can look at this as it, Philly was done no matter what. But Tampa Bay is a team to be scared of at this point in the year. And I have to apologize and give credit to Baker Mayfield because I, I was down on him. You were down on him at the beginning of the season. We thought he was scraps and we were like, what are the Bucks doing? You're you're riding with Baker Mayfield as your guy? Come on now. And he was very effective this year. I mean, it was a little inconsistent, but as a whole, he was very effective. And you looked at how he was slinging it against the Eagles. This man has a lot of confidence right now. Um, so I'd be scared if I'm playing him. I think, what did you make the comparison that Baker Mayfield is now being Baker Mayfield, right? He he's Yeah, it's what he was supposed to be when he was drafting, you know, yeah. kind of the guy that everyone galvanizes behind. And um, it's, it's important to note that it, seeing guys succeed like this, whether it be Geno Smith or Tua with a new coach or Baker in a new situation or Jared Goff in a new situation, it says a lot when you have an organization and head coach and offensive coordinator all believing in a guy and giving him your kind of green light to be himself. So really cool to see uh, some of these guys getting bounce back opportunities. 4,000. 44 yards, 28 and 10. That is not a joke. Uh, so, of course, we're applauding Baker Mayfield as a great quarterback when Brock Purdy had a better season than him, but uh, nobody wants to talk about that. So, um, so did so did Dak Prescott. But. Yeah, every, uh, yeah, Bat, Dak, CJ, so many guys had better seasons than Brock Purdy, whatever. Uh, okay. <laughs> Tampa Bay's defense, they still have a lot of holdovers from that uh, championship team a couple years ago. They're playing good football. And so when I look at the Lions-Bucks matchup here in Detroit, I think it's a toss-up. I really think it's a toss-up. They have the spread at six, six and a half right now for the Lions. Why? Just because they had a better re regular season record and because they're home? No, I mean, the, the Buccaneers have been here. The Buccaneers have been to the playoffs the last few years. People forget that. It's been, what, four years in a row now? You talk about Tom Brady's couple of years. You had... The, the under 500, and then now this year, somehow keeping a, a stronghold on the division, even with a, a poor division. But nonetheless, this is an experienced football team. The Lions don't have that. The, I'll let you get on your Dan Campbell rant here because I, I, I remember you have a Dan Quinn stat too that you wanted to add into uh, the last show, but we didn't get a chance to. But uh, Dan Campbell hype train is at an all-time high right now. And everybody and their brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and grandpas and grandpas are riding the Dan Campbell hype train right now. This is the people's coach, so to speak. 
And I think this train is going to come to a screeching halt. Unfortunately, I like the Lions. I really do. You look at the two teams, though, they're pretty evenly matched. They really are on, on both sides of the football. The Lions have a good offense. It's not great. They have been pretty poor defensively as a whole. You know, you could argue that the Rams should have won that game. They gave up almost 400 passing yards to Matt Stafford. So I think Baker Mayfield is going to absolutely light this thing up. Yeah, I I do think the Bucks come out on top here. I think they have a lot of momentum, and it's kind of like coming down off of that celebratory high that the Lions are on. It's really hard to get back up for the next game when it's like your first massive playoff win in a long time. Um, with the Dan Campbell thing, you mentioned Dan Quinn. I went on a, a soliloquy last episode about head coaches who don't call plays and how you got to kind of stick with an offensive guru. Uh, this situation kind of reminds me of the Dan Quinn Falcons with uh, Mr. Kyle Shanahan as their offensive coordinator. Um, you got a guy who's, you know, a tough nose, hard nose football guy at his core in Dan Campbell. And then you got Ben Johnson, who's this offensive guru. Um, so what I think is going to happen, and I hate saying this because I really, like, I really do. The Lions are my favorite NFC team. Uh, they have all the pieces to be a super exciting offense. They're just they're super fun to watch. You got Dan Campbell talking about biting kneecaps and going crazy and eight shots of espresso in the morning. But I think <laughs> I think the Lions lose this weekend. Ben Johnson goes to Washington. New ownership, stability and ownership, good weapons. They draft Drake Mayer, Caleb Williams, and. Washington is now set with a head coach and Lions will struggle to replace Ben Johnson. So um, I won't touch on it a whole lot more because I, I ranted so hard last week, but that's, that's kind of what I predict happening. Um, it would be super fun for uh, the Lions to get in the NFC championship game and keep those fans happy and, and rolling. But I just think the, the letdown from last week is too much to get back up for. Yeah, you got to be careful with these hype trains. And it reminds me of Harbaugh back in our day. It reminds me of, well, I was going to say it about Sirianni and Harbaugh, just how certain coaches can run their course on a locker room. Certain coaches, whether it's their energy or their vibe, their, their way they go about things can really wear in a locker room. And right now, Dan Campbell has everybody backing him. He, he, has, he has everything backing him, but... This could come to a screeching halt if this doesn't go well. And I think it, it won't be long before guys start turning on him. I mean, you give about four years, right? That's the the sort of that that happy zone. Four years before, hey, are you getting it done for us or are you not? And that's why that's kind of where the Mike McCarthy situation is. And so I think Dan Campbell's time is limited. If you don't get to an NFC championship. You're going to start having some serious questions. Now, on the outside looking in, you're like, okay, well, you made the playoffs this year. You won more games. You won a playoff game. That's the first time since 91. You see the trajectory going up. Yeah, exactly. Right? But like you said, if you want to actually get to the next level, is he really the guy? And we're we're getting ahead of this before anybody else is because everybody thinks he is the guy. But you have a theory here that I just think is so wonderful and it's really the offensive coordinator behind the operation. 
It, like yeah. the brain, like you need. It, this is not to say. Look that, at the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, even the yeah. Chiefs with the enemy. Yeah, they took a drop off, and it's yeah. not. No disrespect to Andy. You need guys that have to. You have to get the culture in order first. I am a hundred percent on board with that. It's just if you want to go to the next level, is Dan Campbell really the guy? I don't know. I think they got to hang their nuts with somebody else. I think the proof will really be in the pudding next year. I mean, he's only in year three. They've taken a step forward every year. So next year when Ben Johnson's no longer there, assuming he takes a head coaching job somewhere else, this point is nullified if Ben Johnson stays as their offensive coordinator. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So if if he leaves, they take a a step back offensively and struggle, then I think you have your answer. And I think uh, the case study should be done at that point, and owners need to start opening their eyes. So we're looking at this game. I think we're both predicting the Bucks, right? And and some yeah. some people would look at this and say, "Are you kidding me? Can you even give me a case for the Lions?" I think it's just a toss up. It it is literally flip a coin. And I don't think the Lions should have won against the Rams last week. Um, I think Tampa Bay is playing better football right now. That's simply that's the reason I'm taking the Buccaneers. My prediction for kind of how it goes down will be a crucial like fourth and four. On uh, their own, you know, and like you, 48. You don't kick the field goal. Yeah, yeah, their own 48 yeah. and they don't, or the opponent's 40. No, let's say 38. So it's a long field goal and you don't kick the field goal. It ends up not working out. Tampa comes back and scores. That's that's where my thoughts lie, at least. Yeah, yeah. And then we look on the other side of the coin. So obviously my prediction is Niners, Buccaneers, NFC Championship. But, you know. Well, well, uh, the Packers are winning this game, right? The Packers, there's no way the Niners win this game, right? Is that is that where where are we with this? I, I really do think the Packers can win this game. Um, <laughs> I'm being serious, like actually, it's it's no, I'm I, I, I very know. serious on that front. They can, um, they absolutely can. Yeah, I I don't I don't want to make a prediction, Stephen. Okay. I just don't want right. to be. I don't want to be. I don't know. I don't know where the curse is at. You know what I mean? Yes. Like I just don't know. There's a study uh, that came bro- out. It was broken last year in Seattle, and then Philly happened. And I don't. I just can't do it. Yeah, yeah. There's a study that came out that showed sports people are more superstitious than non-sports people. It's just funny how things are. Uh, I'm not superstitious. Just a little stitious. <laughs> okay, AFC. I mentioned it before. Another nine point. So the the, the Niners are nine point favorites. The Ravens are nine point favorites. I've got the Texans over the Ravens. Why? Because the Texans are playing the most impressive football in the AFC right now. The Ravens are going to come in a little bit flat. They haven't been challenged in a few weeks. They And it's similar to the Niners. The Niners have not really played meaningful football since that Niners-Ravens game. Um, the difference is the Niners got their tails kicked in and they have something to prove and play for. Whereas the Ravens are now touted as the Kings of the AFC. And um, D'Amico Ryan's is such a great defensive coordinator. If they can stop Lamar, which I think they can CJ Stroud could absolutely pick this team apart. The Ravens have won 13 games this season on discipline and not making a lot of mistakes. That is a good recipe for success. However, Similar to the Packers, the Texans are also playing with house money. They now the, and they actually won their division. This is a good football team, and I think they're in the playoffs. Anything can happen. They're poised. Poised. C.J. Stroud is poised to pick this defense apart. 
Yeah, I think the counterpoint to that is that when you have a rookie quarterback, the easiest way, like the Browns were an elite defense, but they were 32nd in the league in yards allowed on the road. So you yeah. Look at, yeah. They're, they're a great defense at home, not necessarily that great on the road. Um, the Ravens don't rely on really one guy for for pass rush like the Browns do. Miles Garrett is really the guy over there. I think he counted for like 35 or 40% of the Browns sacks this year. Um, you got the Ravens who come in leading the league in sacks. That is how you ruin a rookie quarterback in the playoffs. You get pressure on him. You allow your secondary to, to play man-to-man with help over the top. As long as the Ravens keep everything in front of them, they will be just fine. So I don't see Houston going into Baltimore and, uh, and beating them. I think Lamar is just – he's a different animal. And D'Amico had troubles on the Niners defending elusive quarterbacks. Uh, the one that sticks out to me, I don't know why, is Marcus Mariota in Atlanta mm. a couple of years ago. Mm. So I, I do think it's a it's a serious problem for uh, matchup wise for for Houston. Well, that that might be the best point you brought up there. I think that's not offense to your other points. It's just you're right. D'Amico did struggle containing rushing quarterbacks. A lot of teams struggle containing rushing quarterbacks. We're talking about Lamar Jackson here. He's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. yeah he, he, no, he is a unicorn. He's also one and three in the playoffs in his career. So that leaves room for the Texans to uh, potentially guns a blazing. Let's get after him. Let's get pressure on him early. If it doesn't work well, we had a good run guys next year. Yeah. So, I just think going into Baltimore is going to be very different than the nice confines. Yeah, Yeah, I I get that. I'm just trying to provide a different side of the coin here. I like it. I mean, you've, you've been riding the Houston, the Houston train. You're, you're on board, you're punching tickets, you're going through stops. I love it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's the playoffs there. There needs to be at least a case for a team like that. Now, you look at the other matchup with the Chiefs Bills. Bills being favored. Here we go. It's a toss yeah. up. It's again, it's a toss up. You you got Patrick Mahomes against Josh Allen. This is a prime ticket right here. You've you've had a matchup earlier this year that resulted in an offsides call that screwed the Chiefs. Well, it didn't screw them. It just they weren't on sides. I mean, it's as simple as that. But Patrick Mahomes, the 13 second game. You know, these are two teams that are, they have a history in the AFC, a a recent rivalry playoff history. I like it. It's good for the, it's good for the NFL. And I think uh, Patrick Mahomes is thinking about that last matchup and uh, they're going to have, they are going to have such a good game plan. I I think the emergence of Rashi Rice as a solid number two weapon is, is becoming critical for them. They've finally gotten away from, the Katarius Tony mess, and now it's like, okay, well, we're either going to go to to Travis or we're going to go to Rice, and um, we're going to run the ball with Pacheco, who just runs super hard. I love to see it. So that's why I like the Chiefs. The Bills are a good pick. You know, you you can't go wrong either way. There's they're 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 both really good teams this year. As a whole, as a whole, I think both teams are fallible. I think they're not as good as the Niners and the Ravens this year. Maybe the Texans right now, uh, I'm a little bit high on them. But 
to me, they're a tier below. You just see a lot of inconsistencies, a lot of turnovers, especially with Josh Allen. That's how the Chiefs win this game is you get Josh Allen off balance. Seems like to be a theme in the playoffs. You got to get these running QBs off balance, but he is super turnover prone and, and that's how you beat him. Yeah, this this reminds me of the uh, Brady Manning rivalry. Yeah, of Pats and Indy. Um, I want to note that this reminds me of 2006 when Peyton Manning finally gained home field finally advantage won. over the Patriots. He ha- always had to go into uh, Gillette Stadium and try to win in the cold, um, which wasn't his forte. Now Josh Allen. Retains home field against Mahomes. Mahomes is going into a opposing team stadium for the first time in his playoff career. I think Josh finally gets it done and kind of takes the monkey off his back. Uh, you say, obviously, throwing picks is Josh Allen's kryptonite. Throwing postseason picks was Peyton's playoff kryptonite. Mm. So I, I just see a lot of parallels in that. And I think at some point, we're going to see a breaking point for Patrick Mahomes with frustration from, from the wide receiver core. I know things have been picked up, but we both know Miami wanted, didn't want to be there no. last week. So no. I really don't take anything away from that game. Travis Kelsey looks very hobbled. I've yeah. never seen him move like that. Um, so I'm rolling with the Bills. I said I would never doubt Patrick Mahomes again coming into this year, but here I am sitting here telling you they're going to lose. So yeah. That's, no, that's what it, I got. It's fair. Logic points to the Bills. Um, I, I, you're right. The Chiefs have a lot of problems this year. They are not as good as they've been the last few years. It's, it's just to me. It's just a. To- it's another toss up. Flip a coin. You've got yep. the best quarterback of our generation, who you can never really doubt. It's like Tom Brady, right? And uh, Josh Allen, who, yeah, it, it is a big game for him. This is legacy you're talking about for Josh Allen. Because there's been a lot of questions. Can he win the big game? Uh, so I'm I'm excited to strap in for that one. It, it, it could go either way for sure. It's, I, I yeah. like my quarterbacks with something to prove, Steven. That's yeah. how I like them. Yeah. Now, just for prediction sake purposes, I am taking the Texans, the Chiefs, the Bucks, and the Niners. Who do you got? Yeah, I got no comment on the Niners game. Flip a coin. Uh, Bucks. Ravens, Bills. So that's a more logical. See, mine isn't very logical, and I got one favorite winning, and it's the Niners, and I've got yeah. three, three, the other three underdogs winning. So mine Chiefs is really, Chiefs really aren't an underdog though. That I think that should be a true pick'em. I would. That's Vegas what I'm saying. Got to pick them. Yeah, but well, maybe, and I, I think mean, they, they're smarter yeah. than we are. So maybe they know something we don't. No doubt, no doubt. Where they're they're going off of numbers, but Patrick Mahomes is. Uh, it's a different guy to analyze, in my opinion. Yeah, you can't can't put that guy into a box. His his scrambling and Josh Allen's scrambling is is going to be a massive, massive factor. Whoever can kind of get contained in the run game, albeit very different styles, I think will will be the team that prevails. Okay, all right. Well, I think we laid it out for you guys. That is our divisional round preview. I'm excited. It's uh, it was a good first weekend of the playoffs. And here we are in the second week. Oh, I did, I did think of one more thing on the Niners. Mm-hmm. Please just take care of the football. My goodness. When the Niners turn the ball over two plus times, we lose every game. So <sighs> I, I cannot have that. I cannot have that. Please take care of the football. And even when we turn it over one time, we're not, 
we're not as good. So. Yeah, a Shannon drive. I mean, I feel like that'd be pretty standard across the league. If you turn it over, yeah, you're it's, pretty it's, much going to lose. But yeah, there's they need a Shannon drive right off the bat. They need to get the lead, hold on to the lead, build upon the lead, and just see. I I would I'd prefer the Packers to get the ball first, and then our defense to come in and just shut them down. And then you, then the Jordan, Jordan Love and the Packers start questioning, oh crap, like we're in for it. That That's what I would rather have than Brock Purdy have all the pressure and be like, crap, we've got to make something happen on this first drive. Yeah. Yeah. That, whatever. Coin toss, flip a coin. Yeah. Get a stop. <laughs> get a stop. Hashtag get a stop. Get a stop. You got, you got anything else, Matt? I mean, sports in general, um, Pascal Siakam trade. The, that's a big one going to the yep. from the Raptors to the Pacers. Three first round picks, a little expensive to my liking, but I, I like the move. Expensive for a guy who's kind of over his peak in terms of age and production, but it makes the Pacers better. And I respect teams in the NBA trying to win. So yeah, that's a that's a big a big win for the league. Um, I guess I could I could do a whole podcast on golf, so I don't need to get into that. <laughs> but PJ Tour is heating up. Yeah, got all the negotiations and stuff. So it'd be fun to see how that all plays out. Hopefully we can get the best golfers in the world on the same course more than four times a year. Uh, I, I'm with you on that one. I'm with you on that one. Um, yeah. Back to that January being a tough month, there isn't a whole lot to talk about. I mean, the Warriors are just such in bad shape right now. It's We just gotcha. need it. We need a second score, man. I'd dump Wiggins dump picks or dump Kaminga, whatever, and get Deontay Murray, get a second score. Like it, there's just nobody to help Curry right now. Clay isn't getting it done. Wiggins isn't getting it done. Draymond's nice to have back. Hopefully that helps. We have good depth, but they're these guys, you know, Gary Payton's hurt. Chris Paul's hurt. There's just nobody to pick up the slack on the bench. Paying a lot of money to a lot of guys who don't, who aren't producing. So it's my, my biggest problem in sports is guys getting paid a lot that don't do a lot. <laughs> yeah. All right, Matt. Uh, well, this was good. Good to touch base. You know, it is the NFL playoffs. There, We're going to have every week is just going to get more and more intense. We do have some podcasts that we need to do at some point. Uh, the uh, the food and the, the goat podcast. We've got, we've got some stuff to take care of for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. We got some stuff in the holster for you guys. So we're, uh, we're excited. All right. Well, once again, uh, we appreciate your guys' listenership. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Joe Random Sports Podcast. Follow, subscribe, rate, like, and share us at Joe Random's SN. Remember, just keep swishing and don't strike out.